so glad to uh, have uh, Brother Justin Bushy with us today, and uh, him and Kristen are uh, a wonderful couple. We took on as a missions uh, support, and uh, he is part of Rock of Ages ministry. Uh, they go into prisons and preach the gospel, and he's doing that, and he's one of the most passionate guys I know who love the Word of God. Every time I'm around him, his heart is just filled to talk about the truths of God's Word, and uh, so make Brother Justin feel welcome. He's going to come today and preach the Word of God, and I know you're going to be blessed by his story and what God's doing with him. Thank you, Brother Justin. Good to see you, my friend. Well, it's wonderful to be with you this morning. Is this thing on? Did I do it right? Am I good? There we go. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. We are a missionary serving with Rock of Ages, my wonderful wife, Kristen. And then we've got six youngins running around here somewhere. Uh, and they're all bees, Bentley, Bella, Bronx, Blaze, Boaz, and Brightland. And so it is a mouthful in our house. Uh, you will notice something quick about me is my accent is not yours. Uh, so if you need to, we can get you a redneck dictionary and you can figure out what I'm saying today. Uh, but needless to say, uh, we are the Bushy family and uh, uh, my ministry and what I do is I go into the prisons and reach those who are incarcerated. And so number one, I want to say thank you church for partnering with us prayerfully because your prayers are truly being answered. We're seeing souls saved, we're seeing lives transformed, and God continues to provide safety for us while we're there. And we thank you so much for your prayers. But secondly, we thank you so much for your support. Because without your support, we couldn't be doing what we're doing. I uh, thank, uh, thank Josh, I, a Pastor. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your family. He is such a blessing, such an encouragement every time. He says, I, I encourage him, but he encourages me every time I talk to him. And so it is an encouragement and a blessing to be here with you today. I want to give you just a quick update, quick testimony. Uh, so we've been a little bit of everywhere in the last, I guess it's been almost a year and a half since we were with you last. It was snowing. And folks, I ain't used to snow. Uh, so when I come up here and it was snowing, we left for a, a, a couple of days, and then we went up to Canton, and I said, oh my goodness, there had to have been like six foot of snow on the ground piled up. I said, this is not for me. I said, I'm just an old country boy. I said, I'm not used to all this. But anyways, since we've been with you, we've been able to travel the country numerous times. Uh, we took a motor home and went all the way across the country. Uh, we found out that wasn't for us, uh, but we did that. We went and preached all over, all over the nation, uh, went and tried to get in some prisons all over the nation. Currently, right now, I've got, I think I've got seven different states. I can walk right into the prison with uh, no restrictions. Uh, I've got everything cleared. And so I'm really encouraged about that. We'll be uh, having a prison revival this week. I want you to pray about that. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of this coming up week, we'll go in there for about 12 hours a day, roughly. Uh, we go in and out a little bit, but we'll go in there and we'll uh, visit with the inmates, and then we'll go and preach to them. We've got a camp of about 1,600 right now. Um, we've got four different security levels. We've got minimum, medium, maximum, and close custody. So we've got a little bit of everything in there. And anyways, uh, just pray for us on that. But uh, we got to do all that traveling, and our support's been getting raised. And something amazing happened uh, just recently. We got to go down to, Miss, uh, I'm sorry, Alabama. Went to Mississippi last year. Went to Alabama this year. And so uh, while we were there, um, in the course of three days, well, four days, technically four days, um, we were in four prisons. No, I'm telling you wrong. We were in six prisons. We were in one jail. And we got to do some homeless outreach. We had 115 people come to Christ. Folks, that's what it's all about. We are so encouraged by that and so, so excited by that. Personally, I got to lead three of those to the Lord. I was sitting there in a pod and the man sitting across the table from me. And I gave you just a little bit of this this morning, just testimony. But I was got sitting at a stainless steel table and looking across the man right in front of me. And he said, is it really that easy to be saved? It's that simple, folks, we, yet we complicate it, we make it, you've got to be baptized, you've got to know the Word of God, you've got to do all this. No, that's fruit, that's things that are going to happen later on. What's got to take place, you've got to believe on Jesus Christ. And so needless to say, uh, we had 115 get saved, and then we come back, 
And once you lead one person to the Lord, you'll get on fire and want to lead somebody else to the Lord. And you know what you'll do? You'll go out and you'll try to lead somebody to the Lord. And so we got back, and I got back up to Tennessee, and I've been ministering there for quite a little while. And so we're going to the mountains of Tennessee. And so uh, we're ministering and having a great time, and, they, and I'm in maximum security, and I'm dealing with people. Most of the people I deal with on a normal basis are people who've committed murder. And that's just, just the, the cold, hard facts about it. And one of the guys I was dealing with had just committed a murder. And I was talking to him. And as I was talking to him, uh, he told me that he, didn't, he wasn't ready to believe on the Lord. But little, little, little is much when God is in it. Uh, I can say this, that I didn't have to do a whole lot because all I did was plant seeds. Paul said, I, I, I planted Apollos watereth, but God brought, God, brought forth, ah, God brought forth the increase. And so needless to say, um, that man, after we gave him the gospel and I spent some time with him, he didn't receive the Lord. And don't get discouraged if they don't get saved right then. You know what we did? We went back. And as I went back, I found out that that man had called out on the Lord later on that day and he received Christ as a Savior. You know, it's nothing that I did, but it's what the Lord did. And so I want to encourage you by that. Just continue to keep giving the gospel, but also say this. Uh, thank you so much for praying for us. We're really excited. Uh, if you can tell, I'm a little bit nervous this morning. I'm super duper excited, though, to be standing here. My thing is I'm not a great talker. Uh, God didn't call me to speak. God called me to preach. And so that's what I'm going to get to here now. And so uh, I want to say thank you so much for your support. So, thank you so much for uh, being here in church today. Uh, as Pastor Josh has already said, Easter was last week. You know what? Thank you for being faithful and coming back. Uh, that means a whole lot. You know, the biggest numbers of the year, Christmas and Easter, but praise the Lord for you faithful ones who continue to come week in and week out because the Lord said that's what he wants. He wants us to be found faithful. And so um, needless to say, I want you to flip with me in, in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter number 8. Uh, I've been praying about this, as seeking the Lord, what he would have me to preach on this morning. Uh, like I say, I'm grateful to be here. Um, for reverence of the Word of God, if you would stand with me as, we, as you find your place. A Acts chapter number 8. I'm not going to read the whole entire passage of Scripture. I think I gave them quite a bit to put up on the screen. But I'm not going to preach the whole thing. Uh, or not preach, I'm not going to read the whole, uh, all the Scripture. Because for sake of time, I just want to get straight into it. Acts chapter number 8, verse 26 is where we're going to start at this morning. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture just for a few minutes. Starting verse number 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go into the south, uh, towards the south, uh, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her, tre all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, and when the spirit, then the Spirit saith unto Philip, uh, Go near, and join thyself unto this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before the shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered uh, Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or someone else? That's what people are asking today, folks. Who, 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 are they who are we talking about? Who are we talking about today? And this is what people are asking. This man was asking this. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Oh, I love that, dear friends. He didn't preach in Muhammad. He didn't preach in Allah. He didn't preach something else. He preached Jesus. 
And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doeth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in church today. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship. God, I pray today that, Lord, you would just open our hearts, Lord, that you would clear our minds, clean up our hearts. Lord, if there's any unconfessed sin, Lord, will we get it right now? Lord, we don't want to be the one to quench the Holy Spirit of God this morning. Lord, we need you so much. And, uh, God, there is a, a wicked and dying world that needs you even more. And so, God, I pray today that, Lord, you would work in our hearts. God, you would have me to say that what you would want me to say. God, you know what the Word of God says. And, Lord, I want to preach, thus saith the Word of God this morning. So, God, please help us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If, the, if you're wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. Uh, the burden of my heart this morning is, what about your desire? What is your desire this morning? I'm sitting here thinking about, Pastor Josh has already made mention of, these D groups are, that are stepping out and starting up today. You know, what is your desire? Is your desire to be in a certain one? Is your desire to be in a certain place? What is your desire this morning? Um, and do you have a desire? I believe you had a desire to come to church or you got drug in here. I always say it this way. You have a drug problem one way or another. You either get drugged to church or you're, you're using drugs one or the other. And so it's a drug problem either way. But needless to say, I see three things in here and I want to address these this morning. I see a desire from a man. Not only do I see a desire, but I see an, uh, a, a rising up and then a going. And so we're going to talk about just for a few minutes and preach on this man named Philip. Um, and try to address these few things. Give you a little bit of context of what's going on. Uh, if you've got time later later on today in your devotions, go back and read chapter number 7. You'll find out it's persecution of a man. It's persecution of, Philip, um, of uh, Stephen here. So Philip was a, a... I keep getting them mixed up. Stephen was a righteous man. And Stephen was a righteous man. And so uh, Stephen would be the first martyr for Christ. Stephen would be stoned. Um, and you say, why would they stone a righteous man? Why would they hurt someone? Well, I think about 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 11 says, And for this cause God shall send them strong disillusion, that they should believe a lie. Remember who these people were. These were, these were righteous people, as we might th think back in the day. These were Jewish people. These were religious people. Uh, how do we know that? Flip over to chapter number 9, and you'll find out, who did Paul go and seek, or Saul at the time, who did he go seek the approval from? From the chief high priest. He was seeking the approval from his, his own people, from the other Pharisees. And these were the ones, they thought they were doing God's work by killing these men. You know what, that's how people look even today as they come and persecute the church. As they think, oh, we're doing the right thing. We're doing, we're doing what we should be doing. But Stephen started off, and it's an amazing thing. Like I say, I've not got time to go into all of it. But it's an amazing thing because Stephen starts off, and as he starts off, um, he gets, starts off with Abraham, and he makes it all the way up into David, and he doesn't get any further before they stone him. He never even made it to Jesus. Uh, can I tell you, when you go and tell people the truth, that a lot of times you won't even get to where you're trying to get to. It's because they already know where you're going, and they're trying to shut you down. The devil don't want it, dear friends. The devil didn't want you here today. He didn't want you listening or pay attention. He wants you fumbling with your phone or doing something else this morning. He wants you to be distracted as much as possible. If you're born again in here today, he wants you to be distracted. You know what? Because he's got you right where he needs you. You know what? You can't go lead somebody else to Christ. You can't go do the will of God if he's got you distracted. But we're going to talk about this man named Philip this morning and, and see a little bit about him. 
But I see as we start this, we find out that there was not only a person getting persecuted, but now we see a group of people. We jump into chapter number 8 and leading up to where we're going to get to this morning. Chapter number 8, we find out that no longer is it just a person, but it's a group of people. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. Now, they didn't meet in the building per se like we did. They were meeting house to house. It says that there in our scripture. It says in verse number 3, and, he, uh, and entering into every house and hailing men and women and committing them to prison. Uh, Saul was going in literally into your house, coming, pulling you out, you, your wife, and taking you to prison. Well, I'm grateful today that I get to go in there and I get to get out. Uh, that's always a great thing for me. I walk in. I've got an old saying. I say, if you come in with me, you get to come out with me. But if you go in without me, I can't help you out. And so uh, needless to say, uh, here, here Saul is and he's grabbing these people. There's so much going on here and there's so much I want to say. I've got points upon points upon points here, but I'm not, uh, I'm not getting into all of it. But I just say this this morning. As we start this chapter, as we start chapter number 8, we find out that there, uh, there, there happens to be great persecution. And Saul was consenting unto his death and at the time there was great persecution against the church. So we start off with great persecution. Uh, then we jump down to verse number 2. We see that Stephen was stoned, and what were they doing? There was great lamentation. They were mourning over him. Somebody had just been killed. They were taking his body. They were taking it. It said preparing it and taking it for burial. So they're mourning over him. Verse number 3, though, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. I see great havoc. I see they're coming in destroying the church. But can I rejoice on this, and can I get a little bit excited this morning about this? When Satan thinks he's winning... He ain't even got a drop in the bucket, dear friend. God is on top at all times. God knows what's going to happen. God, uh, through the persecution, God is still at work. God is still growing His church. Uh, I thought about Exodus chapter number 1, verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Do you know the church started during the Roman Empire, during the worst time when a church could ever be started? During the most persecution, if you knew anything about the Romans, then you know they were the world's best at torture. The crucifixion was the worst way to die. There wasn't a worse way to die. We think, oh, well, you could get shot. No, that's pretty quick. Think about, think about suffering and uh, being nailed with your hands and your feet to a cross. Think about the beating that they would have took. I've thought about this a lot here, especially around Easter time. You know, we talk about Jesus' burial and resurrection, but we forget, and I, I think so often we, we forget that Jesus, according to Isaiah, his visage was marred such that he didn't even look like a man. How did Jesus look when, they got, when he walked out of that tomb? You know, I just think, you know, there, there was more than just a prance in his hands and then his feet. There was the a scars on his body of what Jesus went through for us, that blood that he shed for us. And, but it's an amazing thing because we get to verse number 4 and we see not only that, but we see a, the great word. The word's being preached because it's therefore they were scattered abroad everywhere preaching the word. You know what? Even though Satan thinks, hey, you know what? I've scattered these people out. They can do no good. They can do no good. They can do, do anything else. We broke the church apart. I think that's what tried to happen during COVID. They tried to break the church apart. But praise the Lord, we're back together today. You know what? I think more churches have been started because of this. You know what? There's more places that we're going even today because of that. I can say this as a missionary who started during COVID. You know what? We've had to raise all our support during COVID. We've called churches and everything else. And I think we've been in probably 650 churches in the past three years. You know what? We've traveled the nation. I, I, so far, we've put probably 150, right at 150,000 miles on our van in two and a half years. You know what? We've had two children while being on the road. Can I tell you, God's still good. God's provided. God's taking care of this old boy. Yeah, I wouldn't stand here no other way other than to praise God this morning. But throughout all this, we see one man in all this. He was scattered, and it says there, he was scattered from Jerusalem. Now he is here in Samaria, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Again, there was great preaching. You know what? Praise God for the preaching of the word. You know what? If you go somewhere and they're not preaching the word of God, you probably shouldn't be there. 
You know what, if it's not Bible, you know what, you shouldn't be there. You know what, we ought to preach the Word of God. And not be scared, not have that boldness that they had in chapter number 4. To have that boldness to preach the Word of God. I thought about this. During the darkest time is when the light shines the brightest. Folks, if you've ever been out, and we're Lord willing, we'll be out there before very long, out in the desert. And when you go out into the desert, into the western part of the nation, you know what? Here on the east coast, when it goes dark, it don't really go dark. Because there's still a little bit of light. But when you get out in the middle of nowhere, anybody ever been out in Utah, out in Colorado, out in Wyoming, out somewhere in Arizona, in Nevada, in the middle of nowhere? And when it goes dark, it goes dark. But you know what? If you shine a light, you can see. You know what? That's what we're saying today. Uh, during the darkest time is when the light shines brightest. So I want to bring you back to our context, bring you back to our scripture today. Try to build up where Philip is. Philip is doing a great work here in Samaria. He's been ran out of Jerusalem. Here he is in Samaria. But God's got a plan for this man. And the title of today's message is God's plan and God's purpose. You know what? He's got a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you in here today. If you're breathing, if you've got life in you today, God's got a plan for you. You know what? I, I, I could give you my testimony and I won't take all, too much time for all that. But can I tell you, my mom wasn't expecting to have me. My mom was 17 years old when she got pregnant with me. There was, and she said, she's, you know what, she's like, I got my whole life ahead of me. She actually thought about aborting me. But praise God, God had a plan. God's got a purpose for my life, dear friend. God's got a purpose for your life in here today too. So can I start off by saying, look down with me at verse 26. Can I say can we, that we see the place of the ministry? God had a purpose uh, for Philip. God had a place for him to be. Notice the place of his ministry. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down into Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Uh, here he is. God says, You need to get up and you need to go. Now, Philip had a desire. He wanted to preach the word of God. We know that because he was in Jerusalem doing it. And then he goes over to Samaria continuing to do it. He wanted to tell people about Jesus. I believe in all my heart, if you want to tell somebody about Jesus, you pray about it first thing in the morning. God will send somebody your way that day. I believe that with all my heart. Now, if you're, you're saying, well, God never sends nobody, are you truly praying for somebody to send somebody your way? God sends somebody your way. You'd be like, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I, I'm uncomfortable too. I'm uncomfortable all the time. I make people uncomfortable. Uh, I'm just telling you today. Uh, that's just my demeanor. That's who I am. Ask my wife. My wife just gets embarrassed. She's probably embarrassed by me pointing her out right now. But that's just who I am. You know what? I can't, I can't be someone else. I am who God's created me, who I am. And so are you. But God had a command for Philip. He said, I need you to get up. That's where it starts, friends, is we've got to get up. So often we're not getting nothing done because we're not getting up. We've got to get up, and then we've got to start to move. We've got to put some action behind that. We've got to go. And so that's what God commands of Philip here. We see he says, uh, he says arise and go. Now listen to where he tells him to go. He said, goeth, uh, he said go the way down. Uh, he said, go, go uh, towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. He said, which is desert. He said, what I want you to do is get up from where you're at. You're doing a great work here in Samaria. People are getting saved. Lives are being transformed. How do we know that? You can go back through and read it. Uh, and I didn't give everything, but there was a great work going on in verse 6. Uh, there was a great transformation in verse 7. These people were being healed. In verse number 8, though, even though they went through great persecution in verse 1, by verse number 8, there's great joy. You can have joy through the persecution, dear friends. You know what, you say, oh, well, I don't, I don't know how a person can have that. I don't know how you can get excited about that. Once you get hooked on Jesus, there ain't no other way. Once you get filled up with the Holy Spirit, it's going to show. It's going to be all over you. But we see this place of ministry. I, I thought about uh, Philip as he was going. God didn't tell him exactly where to go. He said, I want you to go that direction. Any of you ever been there? I'm, I'm reading right now, and I'm, my, most of my Bible studies in Genesis right now. Genesis chapter 12, we read of Abram. 
God says, what I want you to do is I want you to get up. I want you to leave the familiar. I want you to leave your father. I want you to leave your family. And I want you to leave the farm. And I want you to go where I tell you to go. Abram didn't fight him. He picked up and he left. You know what? Philip didn't fight him. He picked up and he left. When God tells you to do something, you need to just pay attention and you need to be obedient and listen and just do what he says to do here. So we see the place of the ministry. The place of the ministry for him was to go out into the desert. Uh, he was to literally go, if you were to look at a map, he was to go to the southwest. This, this scripture is what God's actually used in my heart, and I've not got time to go into all of it, but God's used this in my heart about reaching those people out in the southwestern part of our country and uh, expanding our ministry. Uh, but we see, uh, I've read this and I love this. Matthew Henry said it this way, Sometimes God opens a door of opportunity to his ministers in the very of unlikely places. You know what, God, you may say, God, how, how, why would you use me there? Uh, why, why would I go there? Well, Mark chapter 6, verse 15 says, and, uh, 16, verse number 15 says, And he saith unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, it doesn't matter where they're at. Go to them wherever they're at. So here he is. He goes to the desert. He goes to a desolate place. When I think of the desert, I think of a wasteland. I think of a tumbleweed. And I don't mean wasteland in a bad way, but there's nothing out there. If any of y'all have ever been to our deserts here or a desert anywhere in the world, you know what? There's nothing that usually grows out there. You might get a cactus. You might get some tumbleweed. Uh, but normally you don't see very much out in the desert. You know what? I'm, I'm, and it doesn't say, Philip didn't say, hey, I wonder what's going on out there. I wonder if, there, if I can do any good out there. Philip just got up and he went. Because verse number 27 says, and he arose and went. You know what? It's time that we as the body of Christ arise and go. We can't just sit back and wait for the world to come to us. We've got to go to them. You go into the streets. You go into the highways. You go into the hedges. You go to the places where others aren't willing to go. Where was Jesus? Where did Jesus spend most of his time, friends? He spent most of his time going to them. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He was going to them. He was constantly a man on a mission, constantly going. Can I tell you this this morning? Can I, can I reiterate this? Uh, it doesn't always make sense where God wants us to go. And we're trying to uh, make this in logic. And I thought about Abraham again. When Abraham was trying to put this together, he went and laid with Hagar because he was like, I've got to make seed. I've got to have seed so I can continue on the promise of God. But God already had a plan. Isaac was going to come along. Just Abraham got ahead of God. You know what? It's, it's, it's dangerous when we can get ahead of God. But can I remind you this, Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to His purpose. You know what this is? This is an act of faith. We've got to take steps in faith as Christians, as born-again believers, because it's faith that sets us apart. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is who we are. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be taking steps in faith. Uh, you say, uh, but Brother Justin, I, 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 did Philip know there was a eunuch out there? He didn't. He went because God told him to go. I didn't know who's going to be here today. But I went because God told me to come. I'm going into a prison this week because God's told me to go. I don't know who I'm going to minister to. I don't know who will be on the other side. But I'm praying already that God would soften hearts, that those men that we go and try to reach, those officers, folks, I just don't go in there for the inmate. I'm reaching the officer. I go sit in the warden's office at least once a week and go talk to the warden. You know what? I want to spend time with each and every one. Why? Because each and every one has a soul. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. The reason they don't hear the gospel anymore is because we don't give it. It's not because it doesn't work. It's not because there's not power in it. It's not because Jesus died and he's still in a grave. No, Jesus is very much alive today. It's because we don't give it. So we see the place of the ministry. Not only the place of the ministry, but we see the purpose of God. No, notice with me in verse number 28 and 29. Uh, he was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, 
Then the Spirit said unto him, uh, said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself unto this chariot. What was the purpose for Philip to be out there? To join himself to this man's chariot. Because this eunuch right here, this eunuch had just came back from worship. Verse 27, it says, And had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Now here he is. He's not only come back from a worship service, he's not only come back from a church service, he's reading the Word of God. And we'll get to it in a minute, but he didn't understand what he was reading. You know, it's so, so often we'll get in here and say, well, I'm not going to read the Bible because I don't understand it. Pray the Holy Spirit would open your heart. Pray the Holy Spirit would give you enlightenment, would give you understanding. You have not because you ask not. You know what? Pray that He would give you wisdom that you could understand the Word of God. And He will, dear friends. But I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God wanted Philip there for this eunuch, for this time, to re- that he may receive the glory from this. Uh, there, uh, th- this is one man who had come to worship. Now, if you do a little bit, and, and I, I'm a geography guy. Uh, I, don't, I probably don't speak real well. I, I definitely don't write real well, real well and I, I, I just don't have any of that. But I love to see uh, places. I love geography. I love to look at maps and things of that nature. And I thought this was very interesting. If you were to go from Jerusalem to Ethiopia, now this is what that eunuch had traveled, it'd be about five hours and two minutes in an airplane right now. Fine commercial. That's a pretty good little trip, is it not? Any of y'all ever flown across the country? And it's about a six-hour trip. So you can imagine going across the U.S. Uh, but I got to reading this. If you were to drive that same journey, it's about 2,480 miles. It would take you roughly 85 hours in a car, a car of today. Now, he was in a chariot. Think how many months it took him to get there. He went all the way to go worship and come back no different. But he had a desire to go. He had a desire to go worship. He had a desire to read the Word of God. But good thing there was a man that had a desire to share the Word of God. So we see the purpose of God in all of this. The purpose was for that for Philip to be there at that time. Can I take out, just take one second here and just stop and just say, uh, coming to a worship service today will not save you. Getting baptized will not save you today, dear friends. Knowing the Word of God from front cover to back cover will not save you. But having a personal relationship with a, with a God in heaven, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and believing on Him, that's what will save you today. So we see that he had a desire. I thought about this, and this is a, probably a poor example, and this is probably going to throw me under the bus pretty big, but I don't mind it because it's me. I can do that. Uh, but anyways, we went on a trip two years ago. We flew from Charlotte, North Carolina, and we flew over to Denver. We went out there and done two, about two weeks of going out to different churches, presenting the ministry. We were on full-time deputation at the time. And so we got back, and we, flew, we got back into Denver. We flew back. We got into Charlotte. It was late. We were the last flight in. And so we got back. Back then, I think we only had four kids. Um, and so uh, it, you, well, you think, oh, that ain't too bad. We've got six now, and so uh, flying's fun. Uh, we take up multiple aisles. Uh, but anyways, we got back in, and I told my wife it was late. We, it was Thanksgiving Day of all days. And so we'd flown all day. We sat in the airport. Flights were the cheapest. Flights were the quickest on Thanksgiving Day. Anyways, we flew back in. We got back home. Or we got back to the airport, and as we got back to the airport, I told my wife, I said, we got the bags, and I set all my wife and kids at the curb. Uh, Anybody ever did that before? I threw them there at the curb. And so I got them there at the curb. I said, I'm going to get on the bus. I said, I'll go get the car, and I'll be back. I said, it shouldn't take me more than about 25, 30 minutes, you know, depending on where we're at. So I I got in the car, or I got in the bus. I started fellowshipping with the folks on there, had a good time. I'd actually been in one of the churches where they'd come back from, and so we had a good time. Uh, Anyways, I knew I was in lot two. That I had down. And so uh, he said, where are you getting off at? I said, I'm getting off at XY. I said, I'm, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm parked at. I got off, stepped off the bus, and before the bus took off, I said, this ain't right. I got back on the bus. I said, I'm at XZ is where I'm at. So I got off at XZ. 
I said, no, I think I'm at XX. And so needless to say, we went around and around. And for the next 30 minutes, I just rode around with the bus driver. And he's like, do you know where you're at? And I said, no, I don't have a clue. We had church on that bus that day, brother. Uh, he was a born-again Christian. We started talking about Jesus. I was excited, didn't really want to get off the bus because I couldn't find my car. And so anyways, I stayed, I stayed on the bus. And finally, he said, he said, he said sir, he said, he said, I've got to go put the bus up. He said, it's late. It's almost 1 o'clock in the morning now. He's like, he's like, I've got to go put the bus up. I was like, okay. He said, you see that truck over there? I said, yes, sir. He said, it's got that green light on it. I said, yes, sir. He said, if you can't find your car, he said, go talk to him. He said, he'll help you. That's what his job is to do, help you find. If any of y'all have ever been in the airports, they're huge. The parking lots are huge. Down at um, Charlotte Douglas, I mean, these things, I, I don't know, maybe four or 5,000 cars a parking lot. And so I'm trying to find my car, and I can't find it. But I didn't know what lot I was in. I didn't know where I had. Uh, so needless to say, it starts downpouring. I'm walking around with a book bag out here, and I don't know what else to do. And so, you know, I'm a man. I'll find my car. One way or another, I'm finding my car. I'm not asking nobody for help. You know, I'm prideful now. So I'm walking around. Well, after about 15 minutes, my wife texts him, where you at? I said, um, i got to go ask this man where my car's at. And so needless to say, as soon as I got in the truck with the man, I said, hey, I'm looking for a car. He said, hop in, I'll help you find it. And as soon as I got in, the Holy Spirit said, give him a gospel track. I said, no. I said, I'm going to go find my car. Can I tell you, don't tell God no. God will make your life miserable until you do what he wants you to do. For the next 30, 45 minutes, we rode around looking for my car. Finally, I said, God, I said, I'm giving in. I got out a gospel track out of my pocket, and I literally handed him that gospel track, told him what it was about. No sooner than I handed it, guess what happened? My car was sitting right beside him. We stopped the truck, and there was my car. All I'm telling you today, dear friends, is that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he had a purpose for this for Philip. Philip needed to be there because this man needed to be saved. The only way he was going to be saved is someone had to go and give him the gospel. Someone had to tell him. So not only do we see the place of ministry, not only do we see the, the purpose of God, but we see the problem of the man. Look down with me at verse 30. And Philip ran hither to, uh, to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand us what thou readest? He asked him a question. When I go up to a cell door, when I go up to a house door, and that's how I do, I do my, my door-to-door soul winning is normally cell-to-cell. So I walk up to a door, I knock on that door, or I'll say, hey, sir, can I talk to you for a minute? Or, hey, I've got something for you. And I go up to that glass, if they're in solitary, or if they're walking around, I'll go talk to them that way. But I go up to them and I start talking to them. But I always ask them a question. I say, hey, are you born again? Oh, absolutely. A lot of times in the South, what happens is everyone's saved. You come knock on a door with me one day, and you'll find out in North Carolina there's not one lost person. South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and there's not one lost person. Why is that? It's because everyone believes they're saved. Because you know what? Hey, you know what? I said a prayer one time. But do you, do you know the Lord is your Savior? And so what I ask, and this is what I ask. When I ask somebody, are you saved? And they say, yes. I said, how do you know? How do you know you're saved? What sets you apart from someone else? Well, I got baptized. That's usually what I hear. I hear it works. So I take them over to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Because I want them to understand that it's not by works that we're saved, dear friends. It's by the grace of God, by, by, by having faith and believing on the Lord. It's not because of something I did, it's because of what he already done on the cross of Calvary. And so we see the problem of the man here. Look with me again at verse 31. And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? He wanted to know, how can I? I don't understand what I'm reading. 
Romans 10 verses 14 says, How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? Or how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? Or how shall they hear without a preacher? He needed a preacher that day. You know what? Sometimes we just need some good old-fashioned preaching. We just need something just to go in there and do what nothing else can do. It's by the foolishness of preaching that they're saved today. It's what we believe in today, dear friends. The problem of the man, we see it here. Man is still has a, the same problem he's had since uh, Adam, he still has today. Man is a sinner. And it's still the solution. It's still the exact same. We need a Savior. You know what? Without a Savior, we're just old wretched sinners and in a hopeless uh, uh, circle going nowhere and eventually going to hell. Romans chapter 3 verse number 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. Every last one of us. All. It's inclusive, isn't it? It's every single one of us. But I love this. You say, but Brother Justin, you just don't understand. Preacher, you know what? I've got a good heart. I'm glad you would say that because Jeremiah talks about the heart. Jeremiah chapter number 17, verse number 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If you're trusting in your heart, hey, I've heard, I've heard the, uh, the politicians, I've heard uh, the actors, I've heard the sports people say, Just trust in your heart. Just trust in your heart. Your heart will leave you astray every single time. Folks, I'm trusting on the Word of God today. I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm not trusting in what my own abilities. I'm not trusting in what I can do. Philip didn't go out there saying, hey, I'm a big guy. I can handle this. You don't see anywhere in Scripture where Philip said, I've got the power. I can do this. You see Philip being obedient unto the Word of God. You see Philip just being obedient and doing what he's supposed to be doing. Remember, none of us are good in here today. Romans 3 and 10. For as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Not a single one of us is good in here today. You say, but I've done good things. I've always thought about it. If we could lay out a balance beam and we could put all our good on one side and our bad on the other side, even if somehow it equaled out, it still wouldn't get us into heaven. But most likely we've got more bad than we do good. I'm just saying today, you know what? It says that we're unrighteous. You know what? We've got to have a Savior. So there was a plan. There was a plan for Philip to be here at this time to reach this man. I can just tell you a little bit about this man, this Ethiopian. It says that he had charge of all the treasure. This man had some importance within the kingdom. He was important with Candace, uh, the queen. Not only that, but he was important in the kingdom. Do you know who's got your money right now? You know who Uncle Sam is. We just had tax day last week. We all know who Uncle Sam is. We know who's taking our money. When you go to the store and you have to pay out those taxes and you wonder, hey, my roads ain't no better. You know what, this ain't going, uh, we've just got tolls around the house right now. And I mean, I ain't real excited about that by no means. And I'm sitting there wondering, where's all the money going? Where's all this going today? You know what, but we know who holds the money. And we would, they, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the people would have known this man. So not only do we see the place of ministry, the purpose of God, the problem uh, uh, of man, but we see the preacher of the gospel. Jump down with me. And uh, of course, he's opened the Bible, he, or he's opened the Word of God. He's reading the, the prophet Isaiah. Verse 35 says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He didn't try to go anywhere else. He didn't try to start, start on something else. He preached what was already there. Friends, we have 66 books where we can preach on Jesus. We don't have to find something new. We don't have to sit there and say, well, I'm going to get another book. I've got to have some other book to go along with this. This is all we need. This is what God's given us. Yet we're looking for something else. Let's not look for something else. It's right there. Jesus is in every scripture. He's in every verse. He's in every page of your Bible today. 
John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We have Jesus today. We have the Word of God today. So we see the preacher of the gospel, though. Verse 35, he began to expound upon the Word of God. He sit there and he started right there where he was. And he said, this is what you're debating. This is what you're going through. He said, let me explain this to you. And he began to tell him who Jesus was. Remember, he originally went for worship. I see not only the desire of Philip in all of this, Philip's desire to lead somebody, Philip's desire to preach the gospel, but I see the man had a desire. He had a desire to worship. He had a desire to read the Word of God. He had a desire to understand the Word of God. Here in a minute we find he has a desire to be baptized. All those desires are great, but they can't build upon anything without salvation. Salvation is the foundation where we have to start at. You got baptized, you read the Bible, you said a prayer, you did this, you did that. That's fine and dandy, but that's not it. we got to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. That salvation has to take place. Think about the woman at the well in John chapter number 4. She said, hey, she got real religious. You go back through and read the story. Jesus comes out and confronts her over her sin, and what will people do? Oh, I go to church, I tithe. Just go ahead and start telling somebody about their sin. And so Jesus pointed out her sin. Once he pointed out her sin, she goes, oh, I go and worship. Jesus said, that's great. He said, but you must worship me in spirit and in truth. He said, you're going and you're making an act, but you're not really worshiping me. Some of you will come into church week after week and never really worship the Lord. The best, and I mean this, and I don't don't mean this in in a derogatory way, but some of the best worship services I've ever been in have been in prisons. Why is that? Because they all wear the same outfit. None of them are trying to outdo the other one. None of them are trying to outbe the other one. They're going to be in with the same people, maybe for life. I talked to a man the other day. He's got 142 years. I just talked to one of our, uh, I found out that one of our chaplain clerks, he's got three life sentences. You know what, these guys ain't going nowhere. But you know what? They ain't put on a show neither. They're real. When I come up to the door, guys I, I, and ladies, I don't put on a front. I walk up straight to that door and I just tell them who I am. They said, I said, you be honest with me, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, I've got nothing to hide. And they're like, well, I've got nothing to hide. Because there's nothing worth hiding, dear friends. But we see that he went in there to preach the gospel. He goes there and he preaches the gospel to him. Uh, whether, Like I say, whether it's by someone that's set free or someone behind bars. You know what? We've participated in some hollow worship in our days. We've came in and our heart wasn't in it. We weren't thinking about the service. We weren't thinking about worshiping God. We weren't thinking about glorifying God. We just showed up because it was just an act. It's because, hey, we were supposed to be there. I remember when I got saved, I was going because my girlfriend at the time said, hey, we need to go to church. That's the only reason I went. But I'm thankful in March of 2008, I sat down in a little country church in Harmony, North Carolina, and the Holy Spirit of God walked, by that, walked down that aisle that Sunday morning and came and had a seat there with me. You know what? I realized I was a sinner. I was on my way to hell, and I didn't know if I'd have another opportunity to get right. Folks, I can't tell you how many times I've drive drunk and then end up at the house and not know how I got there. I can't tell you how many drugs that I've done, how much money I've wasted, and God saw fit to give me another day. He's been merciful to me. He's been merciful to you today. And we see the preacher of the gospel here. You know what he was doing? Uh, He was preaching the gospel because God is faithful, so he was being faithful. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24, Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. Uh, As a preacher, and I can attest to this, I don't care if I get to preach to one person or one million people, it don't make a difference to me. I had discipleship last week. We had 49 people sign up. Guess what happened? Three people showed up. I said, guys, where's everybody else at? They said, oh, they opened the yard. They went out to play basketball. 
I was like, oh my goodness. I said, well, you three are in here. We're going to take time and have discipleship today. It was worth my time. Because we got, we got in some good, some heavy questioning. They asked questions. You know what? We went through the Bible and we helped those men out. You know what? I read in the Bible where it says the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. You know what? We don't have to go and reach them all at one time. Let's reach one at a time. Let's just go and do what God's called us to do. So we see the place of ministry, the purpose of God, uh, the purpose, uh, the plan of uh, the problem of man, uh, the preacher of the gospel. But lastly, and I'm done this morning, we see the profession of a soul. Look down here with me at verses 37 and 38. Or we'll go back up to verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doeth hinder me to be baptized? Now here they are riding along in the chariot. And pastor, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I was thinking about this the other day. He wasn't by himself. That eunuch, because of his authority, he had other people with him. There was no doubt. They always went in uh, big entourages. I wonder who else heard the gospel that day. I wonder who else possibly got saved that day. It doesn't say, but who else heard? Who else was impacted because he went and witnessed to one man? How many other people were affected by that? I've just thought about that. And I don't know. But I do know this. You can look back in history. Now, it's not in our Bibles, but it's in history. It's been said that this Ethiopian went back and took the gospel back to Ethiopia. All because Philip was willing to arise and go. He had a desire to serve. He had a desire to go. So Philip left the ball, if we could say, in the court of the Ethiopian. Uh, Notice here. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. He said, if you want to be baptized, that's great. But you've got to believe in your heart first. Notice what he said. He said, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He had already expounded the Scripture unto him. He gave him Scripture. He told him what it said, and he responded. So often, we're trying to do all the work of the Holy Ghost. When I first got saved, didn't nobody tell me, and shame on me for this, and I'm just like I say, I'm just transparent. But what I did when I first got saved, I thought I could, leave, I thought I could save somebody. I mean, I did. And not, not that I had some kind of power, but I knew they were dying and going to hell, and they needed Christ. And what I was going to do is, I'd come up to guys, I worked in instruction then. I'd go to work, and I walked up to them, and I said, hey. I said, you know what, you're a sinner. <laughs> you're dying and going to hell, and you need Jesus. Now, that's not the best tactic to do that. I'm just saying, that's not the best tactic. But it was truth. I've just had to learn, and God's helped me with that, on how to try to win somebody, how to friend somebody, how to spend some time with them, invest into their life, that I can get to the point where we talk more than about sports, more than about weather. Now, I'm going to talk to you about those things to start the conversation, but now we're going to get into the Word of God. You need to realize, hey, this is it. This could be it. Are you guaranteed to walk out that door today? Dear friend, God forbid it were to happen. Somebody could die of a heart attack right now. Have you ever put urgency to that today and really thought, hey, is this going to be my last day? What kind of impact am I going to have? What kind of influence am I going to have on my family? Are they going to see somebody that was born again living for the Lord? Are they going to see somebody that was hanging out at the beer joint and they come in on Sunday and say everything was all right but living a whole different lifestyle the other six days of the week? People are watching you. Even when you think they're not, people are watching you. And so we see the profession of a soul, though, because he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down, both of them, into the water. And Philip and the Ethiopian uh, and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He got baptized after he got saved, by the way. He had to get saved first to realize, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm just going to get wet any other way. And so we see throughout this scripture, we see that Philip had a desire, 
The Ethiopian had a desire, and God put their desires together. And he was able to lead this man to the Lord. He took him out into the desert. Read the rest of the scripture, and I stopped earlier, but I'll read the rest of it. It says, at verse 39, And then, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught uh, away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing. Then the eunuch was excited. He was saved, born again. He's done been baptized. He's excited. He's leaving. And that's what he was going for the whole time. He just didn't know how to get to that point. But if you'll notice in this, that God took Philip up, and he took him somewhere else. He had one purpose for him to be there, for that one man. Say, well, that didn't make much sense for him to go out there for one man, but he done exactly what God wanted him to do. You know what? You may be in an area for a little while. You may be in this season for a little while, but you've got to do what God wants you to do because God's got a plan and he has a purpose for your life in here today. And so I don't know where you're standing at. I don't know uh, where you're at with the Lord today, but can I say this? That God's placed a ministry for you to be part of. There's some D groups going on here in just a little bit. Get involved. Find out how you can grow. Pastor's already said that. You know what? He loves some men to learn how to do that. Can I say this? Can I, can, can I reiterate what you already said there? Folks, discipleship is a thing of the past. Most churches don't have a discipleship. We go in and people will get saved and praise the Lord for it. I believe they'll be in heaven. They come up to an altar. They give their life to Christ. Praise the Lord for that. But they don't grow in Christ because no one's doing discipleship anymore. My heart and my burden has been for those inmates that I want to lead them to the Lord and then I want to disciple them. Because guess what? Some of them are never leaving there. You know what? Some of them are going to go reach the guy who's been in there for 30, 40, 50 years that I can't reach because his heart's so hard. But he can go up to him and he can say, hey, I know where you're at. I'm here with you. You know what? But you disciple him that he can lead another one to the Lord. You know what? You disciple her so she can lead another one to the Lord. But we all have a place of ministry. You know what? The problem of man is still the same, still sinning. But God has a purpose for each and every one of us today. What is that purpose? How is God going to use you today? As we close in prayer this morning, I just I want to ask you this question. Maybe the Lord has been dealing with your heart. Maybe the Lord's got something on your heart. You've got a desire. It's burning within you and you just don't know what to do. Can I say, get plugged in somewhere. Start off that way. I know when I went into, went into church before I was called to preach, before I was really, I just said, Pastor, and this is what I did. Now our church was much smaller than yours, but I said, Pastor, I said, where, where, where can you use me at? He said, Justin, we need somebody on the buses. Guess what I did? I got on the buses. He said, Justin, we could use somebody else in the choir. So me and my wife got involved in the choir. We were on the buses. He said, I need a Sunday school teacher. So we were teaching Sunday school. You know what? We just got active. And then one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I want you on the mission field. I said, God, I said, I'm not worthy. He said, but I want you on the mission field. Where is it God wants you today? As we close in prayer, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. And God, I just pray, Lord, maybe you've got a burning desire in some folks' heart this morning. And with every head bowed uh, and every eye closed, I just want to ask a quick question this morning. Is it you in here today? Do you have a burning desire in your heart? Would you lift up your hand and say, I've got a desire in my heart today to serve the Lord. You know what? I see those hands. Praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord for those hands lifted up. You know what? You said, I've got a desire. I want to serve the Lord today. Well, you know what? Why don't you put some faith behind that? Put some action in that. Find your way down to an old-fashioned altar. Maybe make the, the, the seat where you're at today your altar and say, Lord, you know my desire. You know I want to serve you. God, would you show me that place of ministry? God, would you do something in my heart that I could go and I could reach another one? Father, I know you've got a purpose for my life. I wouldn't be here any other way. Don't sit still, friend. If God's dealing with your heart, make a move. You know what? Only you can enter the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit's trying to work in your life, trying to work in your heart. You lifted those hands and you said, yes, I, I want to. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Brother Justin, I'm, I don't really understand what all you're talking about today. A lot of this is not making a lot of sense. I just, I've heard about it, but I really don't understand it. Can I say this this morning to you? Friend, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this would be the greatest day to make Him your Savior. You know what? Would you just sit where you're at and you just say, hey, you know what? I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my, my righteousness is filthy rags. I know there's nothing good in me. You know what? I understand that. I always tell folks it's A, B, and C. Number one, we have to admit that we're a sinner. We have to realize that we're sinners in here. I read the verse for you this morning, Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not a one of us is righteous. But did you know that Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and paid the penalty of sin for you? Because that penalty, had He not paid it, is an everlasting in hell. Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's a place called hell, dear friends. And had Jesus not paid for that penalty, you'd go to a place called hell. But it says, in the end of that verse, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5 and 8, for God commended His love towards us, and while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died that we wouldn't have to die. That's where that B comes in, the believing. We must believe. Romans 10, chapter, uh, verse number 9 says, If thou confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Would you believe that this morning? Would you admit that you're a sinner and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that C this morning is this, calling upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10 and 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe there's one in here today that needs to do that. You need to go down the ABCs and realize, hey, I haven't done that. I've not called out on Jesus to forgive me. Maybe that's you. Make your way up to an old-fashioned altar. I'm sure there'll be someone up here to meet you, to take the Bible and be able to show you how you can be uh, truly born again. Father, we thank you for this morning. As Pastor makes his way up, God, uh, to close out the service how he sees fit, Lord, I just thank you. Lord, that you've got a plan and you've got a purpose for our lives. And God, I pray that Jesus would receive the honor and glory from this. In Jesus' name, amen.